We're going to jump right into it today. In fact, I was supposed to get the microphone at 9.30, and I'm getting it at 9.26, which I am thankful for, because we are going to need every ounce of time here. Uh, I'll just have you set the tent kind of right at the corner of this part, right at the corner here. Yeah, bring it a little bit more right. There's great. Perfect. And then uh, we'll have this tent be brought over and put about the same spot. Could you guys bring this tent right over here? That'd be great. Awesome. Let's give it up for our tent guys. Guys, come on. Hey, uh, I had a guy stop back by the book table where I was back there, and um, uh, I I had a man stop by. He said, Mikey, you want to know what the greatest miracle was last night? And I can't wait for this guy's testimony because I'm thinking, when I hear this guy's story and the greatest miracle he'd ever seen last night, I was going to share this story with you to make a point of what God did last night. And he comes up and he says, Micah, the greatest miracle last night was getting all these Packer fans to be Vikings fans last night. He's like, it was incredible to see. And I was like, I never thought of it like that. But sure, yeah, that's kind of true. No, last night was great, wasn't it? It was great. And uh, thank you for taking time to, to be in God's presence. Thank you for not checking out but staying in. Last night was intentional. And last night I bled out as long as possible because the moment we got last night are rare moments. This is why the enemy hates when you show up to things like this. He hates when you show up to your church on Sunday. He hates when you get around other men who are at a retreat. But God absolutely honors and loves it because he now has the space and time to move in your life. And last night we got to see God do some really cool things. Hey, um, last night was all about strongholds being torn down. And Christ uh, tears the strongholds down in our life. Christ also daily saves. He daily rips down strongholds. Uh, uh, We can be transformed in a moment. A life can be flipped upside down with one encounter. However, uh, what could happen if a man wouldn't just give a moment to God, but what would happen if a man would give every day to God? A man who gives every day to God would be a man who could literally see a world changed. How do we know this? Because 12 men already showed us what happened when they didn't bow down for a lie, but they died for the truth, named the disciples. And the reason why a bunch of men are sitting in a room today was because 12 men laid down there every day and they watched a movement of Jesus spread across the world. We cannot discount the impact of one man. We cannot discount the impact of one man who wants to surrender to Jesus daily. I'm doing a two-part series today called Storehouses. Uh, And I brought tents with me to help illustrate this concept of storehouses. I want you to imagine that these two tents represent your life. Uh, After all, we're jars of clay. We came from dirt. We're going back to dirt. The houses we built, the empires we built, we aren't taking anything with us. I think a dominating thought I often have constantly, and I thank God for this thought. I believe it's a holy thought. I constantly have a thought in my mind about how everything in this world is passing away, and I cannot put my heart, my time, and my efforts into things that are temporary, but to be filled with the mission of God. 
And when you have this thought that life is short and you have this thought that everything is falling and fading away, it allows you to stay laser focused. This tent over here on the right, it represents a man who chose to live life his way, the way he wanted to do it. In fact, if I could have the man step out of the tent and let him share the journey of his life, he would begin to describe to you how he wished he wouldn't have lived life for himself. He ended up losing children, ended up losing a spouse. Yeah, he had wealth. Yeah, he had income. Yeah, his means were set. But at the end of it all, he realized everything was utterly meaningless. And when a man decides to build his life on his own ambitions, on his own pursuits, when a man chooses to store up things that he thinks are good but doesn't really care for God, when a man exchanges the truth about God for a lie, God willingly gives man over to the desires of his heart. God is not a controlling God, not a forceful God, but he will give man over to the desires of his heart. And when a man builds his life like that, when, not if, but when storms come in a man's life, where a life should be anchored, where a life should be staked down, where a life should be tethered, a man will experience a storm that hits his life, begins to bring turbulence. And then before you know it, because this man built his life upon him, it was never on solid ground, the tent gets destroyed, the things get moved out, things are shifted in a man's life to the point where it's stolen away and destroyed. And what God has all desired for man is that man will build his life upon an immovable force, one that lasts forever, one that can impart and leave a legacy. Why? Because when, not if, the storms come, when things hit your life, when the storm tries to bowl, when the storm tries to get the tent off, the tent is anchored to something. It's anchored beyond man. It's anchored beyond his abilities. It's anchored beyond his functions and his efforts. It's anchored upon the most eternal force, his name, Jesus. It's immovable. Jesus, you can come on out. Thank you for the illustration. Y'all give it up for Jesus. I want you to get this picture in your mind. Jesus said it the best. You want to find a man who's blessed? You want to find a man who truly will be blessed? The man that is truly blessed will be the man that takes every word from my mouth and builds his life upon it. Because that man knows how to build his storehouse, knows how to build his tent on something that lasts forever. Because when the storm comes, it won't find a sandy surface. It will find it's built on the rock, the cornerstone. It was built on Jesus. We like to make it maybe more complicated, but... Me, myself, being a man, I like it when things are simple. I like simple things. I don't like complicated things. I like when instructions to a device is simple. I like when things are simply laid out for me. And there isn't anything more simple than the words of Jesus when he just says, just do what I say and you'll find someone who lives a blessed life. I don't know any man in the room that wouldn't say, yeah, I, I don't really care for a blessed life. I kind of want to live in junky scenarios. I really enjoy that. Really enjoy crappy situations. Makes me feel good about myself. Feel great. I want it. Never knew a man like that. I know men who say, yeah, I want a blessed life. I want to know what that's like. Well, Jesus just said real simply, do, it, do what I tell you. In Proverbs 7, this is the text where I'm bringing you this morning. It starts off by saying, my son. Time out. If you are fatherless in the room, 
or your dad left you, your dad abandoned you, can I just tell you Psalm 68 gives us a promise that he's a father to the fatherless? You want to know why I love this? Is because every day when I pick up the book of Proverbs and it starts with my son, I'm reminded of God being a father to me and he has something directly he wants to say into my life. When he says my son, it restores my identity back to who I am in him. The truest identity is not me as an evangelist. It's not me as a public speaker. Y'all, stages get ripped away. Careers move. What doesn't change ever is that I am a son of Jesus. I'm a son of him. I'm royalty. That is who I am. And he says right away, my son. The book of Proverbs was written for young men. But I love how the wisdom for young men is actually needed for older and more mature men. My son, keep my words, store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And to insight, you are my relative. They will keep you from the adulterous woman. The first thing I want you to store up in your life is I want every man to store up the word of God. To store up the word of God. Jesus was the one who said his words will never pass away. You find a man whose Bible is falling apart, more than likely you'll find a man who isn't. You find a man who stores up scripture in his heart. All over Proverbs, what do you see? Over and over, it says this, store up. Treasure, store it up, treasure it, store it up. And the reason why I'm titling this message in the two-part series is Storehouses is because I'm trying to blast Proverbs into our hearts and minds as what are God things that we can store up that last forever, that don't represent a life that gets destroyed, but a life that's built on Jesus. You can put up the next scripture. It says, my son, keep my words Store up. Time out. That word store up in the Hebrew, it means to hide. Not to hide, to get rid of. A hide to, this is secure. It's in my life. Scripture says keep it as the apple of your eye. Store it up in your life. Get the word of God in you. Put up the next verse. Here's what scripture does. For the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. There's a reason why the enemy doesn't want your eyes on Scripture. There's a reason why. Because the Word, it's a sharp sword. It cuts. It convicts. It guides. Put up the next picture. The Word of God. And how from infancy, Timothy, you've known the Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. All Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Powerful. That you would be equipped for every good work. Remember, you're carriers of God's presence. It was the breath of God who's in you. Well, why not get the breath of God to match what's in you? It's God breathed. Put up the next scripture. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Men, 
More than ever before, we have access to Scripture. But more than ever before, right before our very eyes, the kids who are coming behind us are biblically illiterate and don't even know most of the stories you grew up hearing in Sunday school about. If the enemy could get a whole generation to never hear the word of God, if the enemy could get fathers, husbands, grandfathers, if the enemy could get men to never know how to store up the word of God, it's possible it could go for after an, a generation. Listen to this, what happens when a man gets in the scriptures. It's dangerous what happens when a man gets in the scriptures. Pulling it up on my phone. Here we go. Listen to this. When a man is in the scriptures four or more times a week, we're not even talking every day. We're just talking four or more times a week. Listen to the impact that God-breathed scriptures has on a man. The statistics I'm giving you right now is from a company from Lagos Bible Software. It's software I use to study for messages, and they've pulled statistics on men. Listen to this. Feeling lonely drops 30% when men are in the scriptures four or more times a week. Feeling anger, those issues drop by 32%. When a man is in God's word four or more times a week. Bitter relationships between marriages and co-workers dropped 40% when a man was in the word four or more times a week. Alcoholism drops 57% when a man is in the word four or more times a week. <laughs> Sexual sin, this is mind-blowing. Sexual sin dropped by 60% when a man was in the scriptures four or more times a week. You think there's a reason why the enemy wants you busy and saying there's no time for scripture. But what could happen when a man chose to get the scripture inside of him knowing that what Jesus said is that man doesn't live on just physical bread, but man lives on the very word of God. The whole reason Jesus overcame was not because, yes, he was God, but because the first thing on his mouth were three words. It is written. It is written. And when Satan came to tempt, and Satan tried to destroy Jesus, Satan, even Satan, used scripture to try and twist it to get to Jesus. But if you look at the passage Satan quotes, it talks about the lion the accuser being destroyed. Satan should have finished the rest of the passage and realized his destruction was imminent. Jesus says, it is written. Jesus gives us the model to build a life that doesn't build on shifting sand, but a life built on Christ and a life that lasts forever is a man who has scripture 
hidden in his heart, a man who has scripture on his mind, that when he walks through the day, scripture comes out of his mouth, that when he walks through his job, scripture's on his mind. Scripture wasn't meant to be a five-minute increment in your life. It was meant to be meditated on. It was meant to marinate like a good steak. It was meant to get deep into your soul, deep into your life. A man who builds his life on the word of God is a man who will stand the test of time, stand the fires of Satan, and stand strong and leave a legacy in Christ. And the guy who gave me those statistics said every statistic that I just shared with you, when a man only gets in Scripture three or less times a week, the rates go way back up. He said there's something about a man who gives more than half of his week to Scripture and how it changes him. I want you to understand what it's like. You want to know what would be really foolish? It'd be really foolish to see your house burning on fire. And you call the fire department and your kids are in the house. And you want to see your family saved and you can't get to your kids. You want to know what a big horrible lesson would be? Is if all the firefighters showed up in their fire truck. Showed up in their fire gear. But they didn't bring any hoses to put out the water. When you're a man and you say you follow Jesus, but you don't get the word of God in you, you look good like you fit the part of a firefighter, but you don't have the very thing you need to fight the fire that Satan throws at your life. You didn't come with any hoses. You want to know what firefighter hoses are? They're hooked up to the source. They're hooked up to the water line that pumps the water out. You want to know what the word of God is? It's the hose that's hooked up to the source. It's hooked up to the water line. And when a man gets the word of God in him, now a man can fight. Now a man can stand on something. Now a man can put out the fires in his family. Now a man can see his kids saved. Now a man can declare the word of God and begin to extinguish the works of the devil to be like Christ and destroy the things that have tried to destroy you. You want to know what I love about that picture? Is that you notice how it's not just one man with the hose, but it's a group of men as a team combating the fire. What happens when a group of men, not just individually, but come together to discuss the word of God? The word of God's in them. The word of God's going together. When one man falls, you got four other men who's declaring the word of God over life. When another man goes down, you got other men fighting alongside you. This is a powerful image of what Christ wanted when he said, I am the word. I was in the beginning, and the Word became flesh. Man, we were called to have the Word in us. And after all, remember the role of the Holy Spirit, one of his roles is to guide men into all truth. How can the Holy Spirit guide men into truth when the men don't choose to even know the truth? How can you bring back scripture to your mind when we never get in the scriptures? Men, this is not a bashing session. I'm trying to show you how life is built. A life that lasts is a life that's built on the word of God. You want to know what the most powerful legacy was? My grandpa, my grandpa was a Lutheran minister. 
got kicked out of the Lutheran church because the Holy Spirit showed up in his life and countered him in a powerful way. He could no longer keep ministering. He became a postal worker for the United States Postal Services, would deliver mail in the city of Minneapolis, had eight children, one who had a mental disability, one who uh, struggled with diabetes, grew up in a poor home. You want to know what my grandpa built his life upon? He wasn't a perfect man, but he would describe to you about how his life maybe looked a whole lot like this at times. But one thing my grandpa built his life upon is he built it upon the word of God. And when my grandpa passed away, before he passed away, he had every grandchild, he had every child come to his house. You want to know what he did? He took each individual child, each individual grandchild, had a note card of what? Scripture. He had a picked out scripture for each child, gave them the note card, placed his hands on each child and grandchild before he passed, and prayed scripture over his family. You want to know what it looks like to be a man who leaves a legacy. It's not about the empires of dirt we build. It's about instilling the word of God in our families, instilling the word of God in our lives because my grandpa knew he was passing, but the word he gave to us would continue on. And that same word that my grandpa gave to me is now something I get to pass into my son. You can put up a picture. Every morning I have a storehouse. Every morning I have my own tent that I go in with a cup of coffee. My house has creaky floors. I hate it because when I wake up early, the kids hear my footsteps and I just want time by myself. But my son has caught something. My son will see me sit down in this storehouse and begin to open up my Bible. And my son, without question, without fail, will sit right next to me, grab an adult Bible, no idea what it is, and he just wants to sit down and open it with me. Can I just say, can I just say, it's powerful when the word of God is taught but it's more powerful when it's caught, when it's modeled by a man who just says, I just need this for my life. It's a good thing when your children hear you calling out to Jesus. It's a good thing when they catch you spending time with God. I'm going to pass away, but if my son can put his eyes on Scripture, it's going to be all right. As a man, it's not what we leave behind. It's what we instill into our kids that will make it be okay. You see, God wants men to store up the word of God. And the next thing you see in our text in Proverbs 7 is God wants man to store up wisdom. He says, say to wisdom, you are my sister to insight. You are my relative. The point the writer's trying to make is how close wisdom is in a man's life. The value that wisdom brings. You know, every single day, I open my Bible to three places. It's the rhythm I've set. I start in the book of Psalms with one chapter. The reason why I read Psalms is because it reminds me of humanity. It connects my humanity to the humanity of the psalm writer. It's honest. God crushed in their teeth. God wiped this person out. 
But God, may you be glorified. God, not mine, but yours. I start with one chapter of Psalms. Then I move to one chapter of Proverbs. There's a chapter of Proverbs for each day in the month. And a proverb a day will always keep the devil away. I read the chapter. What is today? March 27th. What I read today? Proverbs 27. I want God's wisdom in my life, so I stay near the book of wisdom. And then I stay in one chapter of the Gospels, and I read the Gospels all the way through. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Start back in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Back in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I do a cycle. Why? Because I always want to be around the words of Jesus in my day. I always want to be drawn to Jesus. What does wisdom do in a man's life? For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You see, God, he, he stores up wisdom for the upright. God's a shield to those who walk in integrity. Listen to how this builds a legacy. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge, it will be pleasant to your soul. Bless is the one who finds wisdom, the one who gets understanding. My son, do not lose sight of these. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Get wisdom and insight. Do not forget, don't turn away from the words of my mouth. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. I've taught you the way of wisdom. I've led you in the paths of righteousness. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. Call insight your intimate friend. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? For wisdom is better than jewels. And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and I find knowledge and discretion. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. Y'all, I haven't left the book of Proverbs, and I'm not even halfway through the book of Proverbs. Could it be that God knew how weak man really was and how the only thing that could supplant the weakness of man would be something that was stronger than him, and it would be a man who began to learn how to cry out for wisdom? And call out to him. What does wisdom bring in a man's life? But it brings order. It brings instruction. Henry Cloud wrote a book. Nine things every man simply must do. And one of the things he talks about that the successful men in life do. Is they're really good with this principle of wisdom. You want to know how they do it? Before a man makes a choice in his life. He presses play on the movie. To see where the choice would bring him in his life. That is wisdom. That before you step into an environment and you have a choice, if you were to choose that choice, where would it bring you in your life five years from now? And you begin to watch the movie played out. It starts out small, and then it grows bigger and gets bigger. But when you call out for wisdom and you stay in the book of wisdom, you're like a man who's blessed, a man who's protected, a man who has insight, a man who's standing on the word, a man who's growing, a man who's choosing ahead of time. Wisdom God gives us to succeed as men in the room. I had a friend, he's a young pastor, and he ended up being my boss. 
I didn't know this. He told me later. You want to know what he did? He did what James said. What does James say? If any of you lack wisdom, ask God for wisdom, and he will give you wisdom. I didn't know this about my friend. Every day, my friend began to ask God for wisdom. Every day, God, give me wisdom. God, give me insight. God, show me wisdom. And when my friend transitioned out of the role of a pastor at Cedar Valley, and his, I think he was 30-some years old, young guy, you want to know what most of the staff went around and said about him? They said, Andrew, you are wise beyond your years. Andrew, I can't just put my finger on it, but you've carried so much wisdom when you've been here. Andrew pulled me aside after the staff meeting. He said, Micah, it's crazy to hear all these people talk about wisdom. He said, every day I've asked God for wisdom. Wisdom does not factor age. Wisdom factors a man who will seek it out and begin to ask God for it. A man can be 80 and still considered a fool. A man could be in his 20s and still yet considered even wiser than the 80-year-old. Wisdom never accounts for age. It accounts for your willingness to get insight and understanding. Men, when you build your life and store up the word of God, when you get his wisdom inside of you, it begins to shape and mold your life. It begins to live beyond you. It impacts your relationships. It impacts your jobs. It impacts what you speak. It impacts all these things in your life to live a life that will last forever. And then the final thing is men store up purity and get rid of all impurity. Do you realize why the Proverbs writer writes this? He says, man, store up my words. Keep my words. Get wisdom. And then verse 5, this was the whole point of the text. These things, if you do them, if you practice them, if you apply them, they will keep you from the adulterous woman for the wayward woman with her seductive words. If you do this, if you choose to set out to wisdom, if you choose to do what this next scripture on the screen says, Proverbs or Psalms 119, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Other translations say by hiding it in your heart, guarding the word in your life. I find it interesting that a common theme woven all throughout Proverbs is all about staying away from women who want to bring adultery. Can I just say, there is no one in the room that is too spiritual to not fall. There is no one too spiritual, too close to Jesus. Pastor Denny Curran out of Cold Spring, Minnesota says it very simply. Hey men, we're all one step away from stupid. True. True. We're all one step away from stupid. Sometimes it starts 
by being in the exact place that God never wanted you to be in in the first place. Where did it start for David, a man after God's own heart? He was supposed to be at war. He wasn't even supposed to be at his palace. David had experienced success. David had watched God's blessing. I'm convinced one of the greatest dangers man can ever taste is success. And the reason why is success begins to puff up ego, that it's about you. And then the daily things you used to do to be with Jesus, you now recognize your gifting and rely on your gifting more than the one who gave it. And you begin to rely on your successes thinking you're wise enough. But like David, all of us are one step away from stupid. Men, where our eyes go can determine the direction that we end up in. David noticed Bathsheba, and that's all it took. He had a moment to practice wisdom, to have a choice set up ahead of time, to have things set up in place. But David took the next step, and then the next step, and then the next step, and then the next step, to where now he found himself in a situation that destroyed him from the inside out. Y'all, Proverbs carries so much weight about what happens when a man throws it all away on a woman who doesn't really care about his soul. That the effects of that sin can last with the man forever, that it can feel destructive. Men, I'm convinced it doesn't start to beating with a prostitute. It doesn't start to having an affair with our co-worker. Men, it starts with our eyes. It starts with where and what we look at. I want you to listen to this. 47% of families in the United States reported that pornography is a problem in their home. Pornography use increases the marital infidelity rate by more than 300%. 56% of American divorces involve one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. 68% of church-going men and over 50% of pastors view porn on a regular basis. Of young Christian adults, 18 to 24 years old, 76% actively search for porn. 57% of pastors say porn addiction is the most damaging issue in their congregation. 69% say porn has adversely impacted the church. And a mind-blowing statistic is 75% of pastors do not have any accountability software or anything whatsoever in their life. Being a man has its challenges. You don't need to go looking for porn, for porn to find you. You can walk in a store and see something that catches your eyes. You can maybe be on Facebook and an ad pops up. Men, there is a scheme to destroy our life. 
And God, what he's called us to is what his word's been trying to say to us all along. If you'll get the word in my life, you'll have the fire hose to fight back. When the enemy comes at you, you'll be able to throw scripture back at it. You want to know what I do? I go to the gym five to seven times a week, almost every day if I could. Y'all, girls don't give a rip about what men think or see. They'll wear the most crazy things. I always find it ironic how, how in the world, when I'm doing weights, does a girl position herself right in front of me, wearing the most scandalous thing. But in that moment, I have a choice. And all of scripture is very clear. The one area where it doesn't say to fight Satan, but to run, is when it comes to sexual immorality. Run! Run! Run away! I want to give you a practical tip that's really helped me. Whenever I'm out my day, and I see a woman that I'm drawn to, I immediately make it spiritual. This is exactly what I do. First words out of my mouth, in my mind, God blesses the pure in heart, for they will see Jesus. Jesus, I want to see you. Jesus, I want purity in my life. And then this is what I do next. God, I pray you would bless that woman. God, I pray you'd protect her from men. God, I pray she'd come to know you. God, I pray she'd know the Father's love. I take what the enemy meant for temptation, and I begin to prophesy and speak life that God would watch over her, that God would protect her, that God would lead her to himself. And then a thought that helps is what would happen if I said yes to another woman? How would it destroy a marriage? How would it destroy a family? Not to mention all the men, the teenagers I get to speak to. There goes another one. 2020 was a year of revealing. And men and leaders in the church... I know it's impossible to live a perfect life, but it's not impossible to live a sanctified life. And if you don't know what that means, it means every day growing into being more like Jesus. I'm convinced when I'm in my casket, I'll have scars all over my body. Scars are not a form of issues, it's a form of healing. It shows the healing that Jesus did. When I get to heaven, I will be bloodied, my armor will be tattered. The reason why is because I live in a dirty world. But if there's one thing that will cover my armor, will cover the wounds in the blood, is it will be the blood of Jesus that cleanses and washes all the dirt off my life. All the wounds that I've walked through, all the stabs that I've taken, it will be the blood of Jesus that cleanses me. And every day I need the blood of Jesus. Pastor Rob Ketterling does a practice that I've tried to practice. When he lays his head on his pillow, every night he says, God, would you show me where I've sinned today? Show me where I've grieved your heart today. And Pastor Rob said this. He said, I would rather confess and get my heart right with God on my pillow than stand before my congregation because I let sin keep going and destroy my life and tell them I'm done as their pastor. Every night, every day, 
We need the word of God to convict us, to lead us, to guide us. You wanna know how you break free? Number one, be honest. Pastor Craig Rochelle says, we are only as strong as we are honest. Let me ask you a question. Is there someone in your life that knows every single dirty little secret about you? Is there someone in your life that knows everything about you? And if you don't have that, number two, you need to be honest and get yourself an accountability partner. Don't you dare wait for someone to come to you. Accountability means to account for your ability. It means leading up with your life, taking responsibility in leading up. You want to find out all the dirt on my life? You want to know all the horrible things I've done? Then go talk to Dan Perotti. Dan, where are you? In the back somewhere? That dude in the back? If you want to know all my sin, go talk to that dude. You want to know why? Because that's the dude who knows everything in my life. Everything. Honesty. And don't wait for sin to start. Be honest before the sin happens. What do I mean by that? I was with Jono preaching in Alabama. And in the green room, this beautiful, beautiful woman walks in. I don't remember the last time my heart was like struck by beauty like that. Like, I couldn't look at her in the eye. I was like, get away. Super nice. She's married. Hey, great job, Pastor Micah. That was a blessing. Thank you so much. You want to know what I did? On the drive with Jono, I said, Jono, that woman that was in there, dude, my heart was drawn to her beauty. What was I doing with Jono? I was being honest and not letting something sit in the dark before anything could ever take root in my heart. Be honest before any sin happens. It's not a sin to notice beauty. It's a sin when we act on what we notice. Be honest. Be accountable. And have a game plan to put out the fires that Satan puts in your life. No one asked me to do this. I made an accountability document. And I forwarded it to Kirby St. John, Mark Dean, Dan Perotti, Brent Silkey, Josiah Keneally, Josh Wellborn, National Youth Director in the AG, Eric Hoffman, National Speed the Light Director in the AG, and I made an accountability document. And in this document, it lays out all the details of purity, of transparency. When Ravi Zacharias was asked to give over his cell phone, he got mad at his board of directors. This accountability document I went and made to the board of directors. They have access to my phone at all times. They have access to my laptop at all times. I have accountability software on all devices. Financials they can look at at all times. My wife has passwords into my social media apps. There is nothing that could possibly be hidden. If I travel alone, which sometimes that does happen, I try not to. This last weekend I was in Colorado by myself, walked into the room with the DYD, said, please come with me, took the TV remote, gave it to him. I said, please take this. I've started an accountability document. I can't have this remote in my room. Wisdom is choosing ahead of time. And even with an accountability document, even with all these steps, I'm still not too spiritual for one step of being stupid. The only thing that allows us to even talk about this is the grace of Jesus. The only thing that allows us to keep going is his cleansing agent and his blood. Men, who do you need to be honest with? Who's your accountability partner? 
Because if you build your life and store up the word and you get wisdom, you're off to a head start of leaving a life behind of legacy that will always stay there. Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to be challenged by your word and to be a man who lives a legacy. In Jesus' name, amen.